This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, Chelsea Bush here with Dan Maletta to talk about the NWSL semifinals. Sunday, October 20th, starting at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2. We have Rain FC at North Carolina Courage. That is number four, the Rain, versus number one, North Carolina, obviously, as the Shield winners. Um, for me, honestly, my first thought is that I'm a little bit surprised to see the Rain in here. It came kind of came down to the last minute between them and the Royals and, and somewhat Washington. But I have to say there, there are a lot of points of this season where I didn't think the Rain were going to make it. And I, I'm not sure I could ever say that about North Carolina. So it seems like a little bit of a, of a lopsided matchup to me initially. What do you think, Dan? It does. Uh, I don't want to do a postmortem on the season, but I do think the rain got in partially because the Royals handed it to them. But I think it's lopsided, but I also think that kind of maybe plays into the way the rain are going to play this one. I think Vlatko Andonovsky is tremendous at getting one game plan lined up for one match. And I think he'll come up with something interesting. And I do expect them to keep it competitive. Uh, whether it will be close, I don't know, because the Courage have that ability to just, like, score two, three, four goals in 10 or 12 minutes. But I do think the Rain are going to keep it interesting. I'd be surprised if it's out of hand at halftime. Yeah, I agree. And I think a key for the Rain here, I think, is a very, very strong and fast start. I think if they could potentially get on the board first then and make North North Carolina ch- ch- chase the game, which they don't do a whole lot, um, I think that could make things really interesting. I think that it could push North Carolina on their heels, and, and they're so used to taking charge from, like, the first whistle. And that, I think that put them in put them in an unfamiliar situation, I think, is, is really, really key for the, for the ring. I also think that on the left side of the Reigns attack, if you can somehow do enough in midfield that you can allow Catley to spend a lot of time getting forward, that Catley and Rapino together can maybe give Heather O'Reilly a hard time on that right side because we all love Heather O'Reilly. This will either be her last game or her last game will be in the final. But, you know, she is not a proven right back. So I think if you're yeah, looking I mean, to exploit, that's where it is. Yeah, you attack the weak points. Um, she's obviously the least experienced defender, maybe not the least experienced player, but the least experienced defender. The other three have been playing together for years now. They have great chemistry, and they're not. To, I agree with you, not to knock Heather O'Reilly, but yeah, you, you go down that side. And I also think that that kind of favors the rain in that they're stronger, I think, um, on, on, the le- on their left side with Rapino and Catley. I do think that I'm curious to see what we get out of Megan Rapino because I think her performances for the rain have been um, kind of spotty as she tries to get back to to full fitness and and really be effective. So, um, and I also think that again, striking early, it's good for her. I'm not sure she can really fully go 90 minutes and really be effective for all 90 minutes. So I think you need to get 
the ball to her early and often. Um, and then not to knock Teresa Nielsen on the other side, but yeah, Steph Catley is her service is outstanding. She has great chemistry with Rapino. Um, I think that the one caveat there is you don't want to leave a lot of room for Jalen Hinkle to to attack you on the opposite side if if the rain are focusing too much on on their left and leaving her free to roam because she also has excellent service. Right, and obviously if you get run over in the midfield, and Catley will be spending most of the time defending. And it won't really matter because she won't be able to get forward. And the key, I think, if you can do this, is if if you can't let Crystal Dunn run in space, whether on the ball or even off the ball. Because if Crystal Dunn gets the ball in space, you've got big problems. And if Crystal Dunn is able to make free runs through space while other attacking players have the ball, then you've got problems. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad you kind of brought up their midfields. Let's talk about that for a minute because – Paul Riley has sort of a, an embarrassment of riches to contend with as to f- far as who he's going to choose for those four in the midfield. But if I had to put put my, you know, bet down on paper right now, I'm thinking Dunn and Dabinia as more of the attackers when you have Mewis and O'Sullivan playing a little bit deeper. And that leaves McCall Zerboni on the bench. Yeah, as long as Mewis is healthy, I agree. And I've actually I put out my awards ballot. I've got Dabinia on my best 11 I think she has quietly emerged as one of the best midfielders in this league. You know, we all, at least I first remember her from the 2016 Olympics, and then she came over the next year, and she's gotten progressively better and better and better. And anybody who thinks Brazilian players don't defend should watch Dabinia, because I think she, I mean, you know, I'm sure playing next to Crystal Dunn helps, but I think she has just been so good for the Courage this season. Well, and consistently good, because I think in past years she – she would go quiet for a little while, and then she would bang yeah. out some sort of crazy shots. But now I think she's she's much more consistently active, and, and I think you, I agree with you that she she defends very well. That's something I think that the Courage do as a whole is is defend from the top very, very well. They, they always pressure. As soon as they lose the ball, they swarm to get it back. I think from top to bottom, that sort of like first line of defense is something that has helped them to get this far so many years in a row now. And they're all fast, which, you know, speed can be one of those assets in a soccer game that, you know, looks hey, hey, that player's fast. But when you're defending up top, being fast sometimes can be enough to just do enough to disrupt the opposition. And Williams is one of the fastest players in the league. Dunn is one of the fastest players in the league. So that certainly helps out. The other thing is that they're, you know, I think things need to go much more perfectly for the rain, not only because they're not as good, but they're not going to have a lot of options off the bench. We just talked about a scenario where probably um, McCall Zerboni and Kristen Hamilton don't start this game for the Courage. The Rain have nothing close to that good coming off their bench. No, and I mean, they're already, they've had to reach, not even on their bench, they've had to reach beyond their bench this season. Um, and, you know, like, for instance, central defense, like we we don't, as of this recording right now, we don't know who's going to pair with Lauren Barnes in central defense. And I think she's she's been very, very, very strong this season. I think she and Megan Oyster worked very well together. We don't know if Oyster's going to play. They brought in Rebecca Quinn late in the season. We don't know if she's going to play. So that leaves, I guess, Kristen McNabb, um, who's, who's yeah. a fine player. But that's, yeah, know. McNabb started the last the last regular season game. But yeah, yeah, I'd obviously think- rather have Oyster. Yeah, I think when you're dealing with players like Jess McDonald, Lynn Williams, Kristen Hamilton off the bench late in the game when you're tired, you don't really want to be on your third string center back. That's 
that's a tough, tough ask for them. And I think Casey Murphy is going to have to come up huge, not only just like shot stopping, but keeping them organized and keeping them aware of where those players are at all time. I think that, that she needs to be extremely vocal in this match. I think that that is, that is huge key. And um, yeah, I don't know if you saw the broadcast where they talked about how um, Michelle Betos has been really good about sitting behind her and kind of helping her out during the games. Interesting. Um, yeah. They said that on, on, on one of the broadcasts, how she always tries to find a seat behind her and kind of helps her out, which I thought was a very, very interesting thing. And I think that, I mean, you, you talk about intangibles and things off the field. That's a huge, that's huge. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. Yeah. I think the keeper matchup in here is really fascinating, right? You got Murphy was brought in, and she was probably going to be the third keeper, maybe the keeper of the future. And we all know Betos um, tore her Achilles, and Lydia Williams came back injured from the World Cup. Williams is back but hasn't played yet. And then on the other side, even though Roland played the last game of the season, we all think LeBay starts for the courage. Remember when she came into the team, people said, well, why is she going to the courage? She's just going to be the backup to Roland. All of a sudden, Roland went on this incredibly poor – first, Roland was hurt, right? And then she came back and was horrible for a little stretch. And they actually used, what, Sam Leshnack for a couple of games at one point when LeBay was at the World Cup. And remember, LeBay yeah. three years ago – came back from the Olympics, never got a sniff back in goal with the Spirit, who went down to the wire against the Paul Riley uh, Western New York Flash, where now the Courage, but now LeBay finally gets a shot in a playoff game. So I think the goalkeeper matchup is interesting. And as good as Murphy's been, she's also had her share of clunkers, which is to be expected for a goalkeeper of her age. But if she has one on Sunday, there is zero chance the rain win the game. Yeah, she's got to have a fantastic game, but... I, I think speaking of clunkers, I think there are some gaps in North Carolina's defense. I don't think we've seen those four, even when Merritt Mathias was still there, be as, as cohesive as, as we've seen them. Maybe last year I thought that they were just – they moved as a unit so well. They very rarely, you know, were caught ball watching or, caught, you know, less space in between them. I think for whatever reason, none of the four are as quite as good as they were last season. They're a little bit out of sync, and maybe that has to do with, you know – Doc Hipper and Ursa going to the World Cup, or, or maybe there's just some fatigue there. I'm not sure, but I think I think there's space behind them. And I think that that's something that that Megan Rapino could could uh, find do something with. And I also think that um, Jody Taylor is is not maybe the fastest player, but I think she's very intelligent and she can see that. So I think there's room for them to exploit on the other end of the field. I think that's fair, and I think also def- there's really not good stats to judge defenders by, but I think Urseg and Hinkle were so good last year that it would be almost impossible for them to duplicate what they did last year, though I actually think Hinkle had a really strong second half to this season, a little bit reverse of last year where she was lights out till about midsummer and then tailed off a bit and was brilliant in the final. I think this year she started off even and got better. I think Urseg's been good, but she just hasn't been like last year. I thought she was completely rock solid, locked down every single thing that came her way, and she hasn't been quite that good this year, which is understandable. You just can't be that good every year. Right, right. All right, so one final thought. What what do you think um, the key is for both both teams in this? I do believe the key for the rain is to figure out how to get Catley in the attack. So if you want to say the key is to win the midfield so that it frees up time and space for Catley to get forward, we, I can go there, but I think they, I think that's the one area they can attack the courage and be successful. Um, and they obviously need to play a near perfect game 
I don't know. Is there, I don't know if there's one key for the courage. Probably, I don't know, just to show up and 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 play their game because I do think they are the better team. I think they have a lot of different options at their disposal. You know, if you can see it falling apart, you know, maybe Lynn Williams misses four or five chances in the first 25 minutes, and it becomes one of those you know, invisible shields over the goal games, because the rain are not the team you want to be going up against if you're starting to miss your chances. But, I mean, I just think the Courage are far superior, and they have not seemed to lack for motivation ever in the Paul Riley yeah. era, which I think is the most impressive trait, to be honest. So um, I think it'll be close at halftime, but I think the Courage will win something in the vicinity of 3-1, where it's not really in doubt oh. from the 75th minute on. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. I think the Rain have to take their chances, take some risks early, and, and try to strike very early in the game. Um, for North Carolina, I, I I think you hit on it. I think it, it's finishing. They're, we've seen them, you know, time and again this season have those games where it kind of comes down to, to late in the game to to do it. And I don't I don't think I'm not I'm not as confident as you. I'm thinking maybe a two one North Carolina score. I don't know that they're they're going to put up three. The rain have been pretty good, even although I guess part part of it does depend on who who ends up in that starting lineup on the back line. Uh, but as I said, that is 1:30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Rain FC at North Carolina Courage. Can I bring up one other thing before we well, end this? Sure, sure. We did not mention Bethany Balser. You can consider her one of the key cogs for Rain FC, and you know you can beat a story to death. But she was in the NAIA last year, and she's scoring important goals and played in every single match for the Reign. So whether she scores or not, whether she's a factor or not, great story. And it's amazing that we are discussing her as somebody that will be a factor in a playoff game this weekend. Yeah, talk about putting a cherry on top of an amazing story if if she becomes, you know, a really big factor in, in how they do in the semifinal. Just be the the, the sweet ending to kind of a – a dream of a year, right? Absolutely. Yep. All right. As I said, again, that is, is 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2, Rain FC at North Carolina Courage. Hello. We're talking about the NWSL semifinals. I'm Chelsea Bush. With me is John Halloran. And we're here to talk about the Portland Thorns FC at the Chicago Red Stars on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. And, and, John, I think we should just get this out of the way. I think the Red Stars have two big things hanging over their heads. That's the fact that they have made it to the NFL semifinals many years in a row, have not made it past this, and that they haven't beat Portland since 2013. Yeah. So what do you think the the feeling around the locker room is about that? You know, I think, surprisingly, it's, it's pretty good in that, um, you know, they've never, for at least – publicly have, have always kind of said that those losses didn't really define their season. You know, Rory all the way going all the way back to 2015 has talked about, you know, playoffs being a, a one-off situation. And, and that's true to an extent. And I think if you go back to their first and actually their first playoff performance, which was also their last home playoff performance uh, when they were uh, pretty soundly defeated by FC Casey, um, I think you're, you're, looking at a situation where they've, they've been in games other than that one. You know, we go back to the Washington semifinal where Kristen Press hit the crossbar in, in stoppage time 
we can look at last year against North Carolina when they played a very good game and just didn't come out on top. We can look at the year before when they lost to North Carolina where they'd beaten them repeatedly in the regular season. But at the same time, you're right. This is five times. They've got to get over that hump at some point. This is probably the best team that they've had. They're healthy, and there's really no reason other than, as you mentioned, that monkey on their back and not having beaten Portland since 2013 that this can't be their year. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think Portland has a little bit of a monkey on their back, too, because go you go back to the August 25th match of Portland against Chicago, where Portland won 3-0. Since then, Portland has been outscored 9-1 to across four matches, ending with a 0-0 draw against Washington. They've, they've struggled to create, they've struggled to score, and they gave up six goals in one game to North Carolina. So they're, they're not in good form. They don't look great right now. So if ever there's a chance, I think, for Chicago to really kind of shut up the narrative once and for all, this is it, right? This has got to be it. I, I think, yeah, I think you're right that, um, you know, they felt pretty good last year going into the playoffs. I think they're in a similar situation this year. I think there's a couple of differences. I think this year with Ertz and Davidson at center back, you probably have your strongest combination that you've had in that position. Morgan Bryan, for the first time in, what, four years, is playing consistently uh, 90 minutes or, or, you know, 60 minutes or greater. And as in form, Coloprico finally seems to have put the worst of, of her 2019 behind her and seems to be back in form. You've got Kerr scoring goals. You've got Nagasato probably having her best season in the NWSL. They brought McCaskill in midseason to add some attacking uh, power. So I think you're right. This is it. I think one of the big things, the last time they played Portland, Portland sat back and would not let Kerr get in behind them. And if they do that again, Chicago's going to have to figure out some other ways uh, to put points on the board. But everything seems to be falling in place. Casey Short's having a great year. Sarah Gordon's having a great year. I think uh, all signs point to this being the best opportunity for Chicago to get to the final. Yeah, and let's not, you know, fail to mention they're hosting this year, yes. um, which they haven't done uh, since, I think, what, 2015? Yeah, so that was the yeah. infamous Kansas City game. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll want to forget that one. <laughs> um, and who would have thought, you know, you, you mentioned Ertz and Davidson as a center back player. Who would have thought, you know, after the, the last couple of years she had that Kane Naughton would be the one to end up on the bench? Yeah. You know? I said the um, same thing a couple of weeks ago to um, Jen Cooper, actually, when, when I was on her show, that uh, – nobody in their right mind would have said that Sarah Gordon would be having a better season than Katie Naughton at this point. Um, it's just pretty incredible uh, to see what's happened. But, uh, but you know, credit to Sarah Gordon because she's had a fantastic season. And when push came to shove and Davidson and Ertz got pushed into the back, uh, Gordon kept her spot. Yeah, so let's talk about Portland for a minute because you, I think you mentioned something that is, is going to be huge, and that's marking Sam Kerr. I think we've seen – a couple of teams this this year able to kind of effectively mark her out of the game, or at least limit her to only a, a handful of chances, which is, is less than what she normally creates for herself. Um, and I think we can see that she gets frustrated when that happens and she starts to drop back deeper. And Sam Kerr can create for other people just as well as she can create for herself or, or score what others set up. But, I mean, if I'm having my way, I'd much rather have her creating for others than finishing those chances, you know? But I look at the Thorns' back line, and besides Emily Menges and, to an extent, Megan Klingenberg, 
I'm not seeing a lot of consistency there. I think that this sonnet has been very up and down. I think that Ellie Carpenter has been very up and down. Um, Catherine Reynolds has been okay when she's come in. Um, not, not great, not bad. So, and I think that Klingenberg has, has sometimes when she plays, you know, on that back four, when they don't have her as a wing back, has a tendency to get caught up the field. So I'm going, I'm thinking, is this kind of dependent on Emily Mangas doing this or, you know, what, what, what is, I think, do you think Portland needs to, to fix? It's kind of made them play maybe, I mean, obviously they're in the playoffs. They've done well enough, but they've, I think they've dropped a level in these last you know month or two. What is it you think they need to change to to stop whatever there is going on with them right now? I think like everybody else, they're just tired. This entire season has been so streaky. Every team has had a, a moment where they looked like they were the team to beat. You know, even North Carolina hit some bumps this year. Chicago had two long winning streaks, but then a long losing streak in the middle. Portland, as you mentioned, heading into that one international break was on a terrific streak at one point. So I think I think everybody's rhythms are just really off this year. And I think that makes it an interesting thing heading into the playoffs. But again, playoffs are one off. So we don't we really don't know. I don't think it really matters necessarily that Portland's in a bad spot when you have a team that's got Haran and Sinclair and Heath and you know, you mentioned some of the other players. Of course, they're they're going to have a fighting chance, and I think it, it hasn't really mattered when they played in Chicago. I mean, yes, that's a trip for them, but they've played very well in Chicago uh, in the past. So I think they're a talented team, and I think it's going to be a competitive game. I don't really put a lot of stock into the end of the season. I think Portland, for the most part, knew they were going to be in the playoffs. For the most part, knew they were probably going to be on the road, and so it was probably a little bit mentally of them kind of coasting into those last few games. Yeah, I just I, – I look at Portland's roster and I'm thinking, okay, I don't think we've seen enough out of Lindsey Horan, and I don't think we've seen enough out of Christine Sinclair. I don't think we, we see quite enough out of Haley Razzo, and I don't think we've – well, frankly, we don't see enough of Caitlin Ford because she's kind of been relegated to more of a sub-role. Um, Tobin Heath has, has had some injury struggles, though. She, she did play recently. I'm just wondering who who's going to come up big in that game. I think that they're going to have to – I agree with you. I think this is the best that Chicago has looked. I think this is the best team they, they put together. I think they're in really good form going into these playoffs. I think that, that Portland's kind of on a place they haven't – they're not very experienced with, right? Like I think that they're kind of the team that's struggling, and they're going to have to pull something out of their back pocket to, to win this game. And I think for me, I look at that midfield. I think mean, you have to win that midfield. That is a, that is a tall order against Chicago's midfield. Um, you have a lot of players that are playing very, very well. But I think that you need to have Lindsey Horan find what made her the MVP last year and really start to control and pull those strings, maintain possession, win it back quickly. Don't don't let them, you know, Chicago beat you in transition. And I think it all comes down to Portland's midfield for me. Yeah, and I think, I think as, you know, I mentioned – Briefly earlier, keeping Kerr in front of them is going to be a big thing. Uh, I think if you're gonna if you're going to play against Chicago, you have to try and make somebody other than Sam Kerr beat you. And I think if they do that, that's that's their best chance. But you, Portland's a team of, of players who come up big in big games. Lindsey Horan is is one of the biggest players that you can have in those types of situations. Christine Sinclair, Tobin Heath. These are winners. These are people who've won at, at every level. These are people who 
uh, obviously one in the league. And you put them in that game, they are going to be ready to play that game uh, on, on Sunday. Okay, let's talk about keepers for a minute, because I think that if you look at since the World Cup, I think Alyssa Nair has been very strong, very reliable. I think A.D. French has made a couple of um, errors that are that are unusual for her. I think she, there's times when she could have done a lot better. And I know this has been tossed around by multiple people as, as the fact that how it kind of going to the World Cup kind of hurts those keepers that don't play, right? Because they're not playing in any games for like two months. Whereas Nair can get got the game time, was able to be consistent, obviously had a, a huge boost to her confidence from the World Cup. Um, not that I don't think she, she really needs that. I think that that's probably an overrated thing. But, you know, it never hurts. Um, but I, I think I think A.D. French has, has shown a little bit of of, of weakness in, in that, and I'm not used to seeing that from her. So I'm, I'm wondering how that affects these two teams going into that, that sort of – you know, I've given up, X, like I said, what, nine goals in the last four games, whereas I don't have the stats in front of me of Chicago, but it has, certainly hasn't been nine goals. Yeah, and, and and that's another area that can be players are going to have ups and downs. I mean, Nayer certainly had challenges, you know, on her part as well, but she, she still has a tendency to stick on her line a little bit more than she should when teams are coming down on the counter. Um, she also has a tendency sometimes to play balls straight out of bounds on back passes. Um, and she can be vulnerable on set pieces as well. So there's, I, it, you're going to need, listen, if you're going to win a championship, you're going to have to have your keeper have two solid games. We even saw that last year in, with North Carolina. This year, Caitlin Rowland was not good at all, but last year when she needed to be, especially in that final, she had a huge game. And so obviously when you're in the playoffs at this stage, you're, when you're talking about four good teams, you're talking about teams that are going to create chances your keepers are going to need to have a solid two-game run, you know, whether that's Nair, whether that's Branch, um, or even on the other side of the bracket. Okay. Uh, final thoughts. One one key for each team in order to win this game. I think for Portland, as I mentioned, it's keeping Kerr in front of them. Make somebody other than Kerr beat you. Um, if it's Chicago, I think it's can you keep – Haran, Sinclair, and Heath contained over 90 minutes because I think Portland is going to sit back. That's what my gut instinct is, and that's going to draw Chicago forward, which is going to make them vulnerable to the counter. And especially, you know, if you're if you're seeing Short or Gordon cheat up and you've got Davidson and Ertz back there by themselves, are they going to be able to handle uh, counterattacks when they come? Yeah, I think for me, for Chicago, it's it's um, getting bodies in the box and crashing that box. If they are able to kind of keep Kerr in front of them and and push her de- a little bit deeper, I, I want to see who else. Is is it McCaskill if she gets on? Is it Katie Johnson if she gets on? Is it Nagasato? You know, who is it? You know, DiBernardo or, or you know even Casey Short coming that big again. Who is gonna gonna be that presence to, to make something happen if they do successfully shut down Sam Kerr? I want to see them not rely on her to do to do the scoring. Um, and I think for Portland, um, Tobin Heath, getting her on the ball as much as possible and having her win that battle against Casey Short, which is probably the best matchup in NWL yeah. right now. I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It is. It is a lot of fun. I think whoever – maybe it may come down to whoever wins that, that battle consistently 
who will will do the best for their team, whether that's shutting down Tobin Heath or taking advantage and getting getting past the best defender in the league. Yeah, I think the the league could probably be running thirty second commercials just showing highlights of short uh, Heath one on one battles over the past year or two. Yeah, you know we ought to send that to the uh, league office, give them some <laughs> some ideas yep. for the off season. <laughs> All right, that is uh, again on Sunday at three thirty p.m. Eastern time on ESPN two Portland Thorns FC at Chicago Red Stars.